Coming soon from CompTIA's Future Leaders Community, a podcast about what it's like to be a young leader in a traditional channel industry, tips on how to map your personal career in technology, and advice from the future leaders of the IT industry. Subscribe now to the Future Leaders Podcast. Welcome to Breaking Barriers with the Managed Services Community, a podcast that features MSP space and interviews with members of the CompTIA Managed Services Community. Hello, and welcome to Breaking Barriers, the podcast for CompTIA's managed services community. I'm Miles Jobjian, Community Director for CompTIA, and with me today is Corey Kirkendall of 5K Technical Services, who, among other things, is a volunteer on the Executive Council for the MSP community. So we're going to try something a little bit different. Uh, We're going to try a run here. We're calling it the MSP Spotlight. Um, I'm going to be interviewing a bunch of different MSP owners, the executives within those organizations, and kind of hit them with the same set of questions. And over time, what we're looking to see is if some interesting commonalities kind of come out, or maybe even more fun, differences of opinion in places where we can, you know, crack open and then dig in deep. So the goal here is to give everybody listening some just new ways to think about things and, um, you know, and, and, and insight into some great MSP. So, Corey, thanks for being here today. Hey, Miles, thanks for having me. You bet. Um, before we get started, the, tell me a little bit about uh, 5K Tech. Yeah, so 5K Tech, man, we started back in uh, April of 2006. Man, it's hard when I think back, it's been that long. Um, I came out of corporate America and said, you know what, I want to start my own business providing support to small and medium business. I think there was a, a niche out there for that because what I wanted to make sure and ensure that small businesses had access to technology the same way we had when we were in corporate America. Um, Really kind of started off kind of as a, it's kind of a charity case for me because I started doing it with nonprofit and and churches because that was more of a passion and and kind of the things I wanted to provide back. And it just kind of evolved from that. Um, So it's been been an interesting uh, 13 plus years and um, growth has been really good for us. That's nice. That's great. So, so you worked in the corporate world and you said, enough of this, I'm throwing off the shackles, right? <laughs> and you jumped in. So, so you had mentioned kind of the nonprofits and churches and things. Was that like their need? Was that the thing that brought you out of being an employee and, and into your own thing? It, it kind of started there. Um, you know, when you're, when you're in church and nonprofits, you're in a volunteer role. And so you, you have a, a volunteer IT squad and and everybody brings their own opinions on how to thing how to do things and what i saw consistently popping up was you know those guys were not able to run their businesses successfully because they had to wait for the volunteers to be able to provide support for them and so most of the volunteers had full-time jobs 8 to 5 so they would literally either be down or couldn't be productive during the time that they needed um so i was like well you know, let's a couple of my customers were those guys. We were able to do it. We turned them around, showed them what it looks like to have support during their needed hours, and, and really started going. So that's, that's kind of how it took off. So you'd mentioned the obviously getting in, involved with the, the, the churches and things, that this is part of your values. Um, what are some other ways that, that either your personal values or the values that you've instilled into the business kind of show up, um, you know, whether it be through your service or, or the things that you do or your clients? or How, how does that kind of come through for you? Yeah. So one of the biggest things we do, man, is uh, we we value, and I think this might be kind of cliche, but we value our customers and really listen to what they say. Uh, my One of my things here is is without customers, we don't exist. And we really take that to heart here. 
Um, everything we do is is around customer service and customer client satisfaction. I, I believe if you know, I work for a big company like IBM and Cisco and some of the others, and I think some of the problems they would have in certain times you got so big, you would forget about that customer service and that satisfaction, and your customers would would migrate off and go to somewhere else, or they would be shopping. And so what we spend a lot of time here, every morning we'll probably do a 10 or 15-minute huddle to talk about what's going well with our customers, anything we've heard with our customers, how do we reach out. And then I task each and everybody on my team, from my receptionist to my accountant to my office manager to all my techs as well as myself, every day somebody has to reach out to at least three customers and talk to them. Hey, how's it going? Anything we can work with? You know, hey, what you, you know, everybody has to reach out to three customers, and we do that every single day. Some of our customers don't like it because they're like, hey, stop calling me, I don't have no problems. And then other customers are like, wow, this is really cool because you, you're you actually reaching out proactively before it. And then that's actually really good because when I talk to customers or I talk to other customers, you know, I tell my guys, you know, nobody calls an MSP and says, hey, you know, I'm having a great day. I just want to call and tell you I love you and hello. No, if our phone is ringing, there's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice to have those positive interactions at the same time. Then. It yeah. is. It That's... is. And what's been great about that for us is that by having that interaction and that continuous finger on the pulse with the customers, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, it allows us to really, truly have a relationship with them. So almost they're expecting it. <laughs> they're expecting our call. Oh, my God, somebody from 5K is going to be calling us today or somebody is going to be reaching out to us. And so what we become is part of their, their culture of saying, hey, expect that call. Be honest. Be open. Tell them what you got going on. If we need them on site, let's talk about that situation. Um, and so that's been really cool. But what, what was happening is it, it has allowed all everybody in our company to become kind of customer ambassadors that, that they – can reach out and they know our customers, our customer knows them, and they're able to have those conversations. What's really cool about that, we have non-technical people calling people, and we have super technical people calling people, and it's not just us trying to sell them something, us trying to fix a problem. It's us genuinely saying, hey, what's going on? How can we help you? Is there anything we need to do? And that scene has worked out very, very well for us. That, that's amazing. I, I love it. And I love that, that you've run that through all the staff. Um, and like I said, regardless of their technical ability, because that's not what the call is about, right? It's about that that relationship. That's awesome. So it sounds like you would consider that very thing uh, something that you guys do best in class. Is is, is there any others, or, or do you want to kind of hit on that a little bit more? Now I think that is what we do from a best in class, because you know, as we go through our marketing and sales cycle, we know there's other MSPs just like us. The way they grow is they find customers that are not happy with their MSP or those who don't have an MSP. And, and what goes that we found out by sitting down and having that intimate relationship with the customers to where we know what's going on with them, it makes it very difficult to be unseated because we, that, we, we yeah. know what's going on. It's very difficult to come in and, and be dislodged for a 5 or $10 price difference very difficult to to go from that perspective because they value the relationship. We feel like we're part of their family. Now, I can't let you go because, you know, Corey's my friend and, you know, here's what we're doing and, and here's what we talk about. And, you know, we kind of go through that process. And, and it's very difficult when it comes down and says, hey, not only from a business perspective, but they know us as if they're one of our team. And that's really big for us. That 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 is. That's great. And I think what what impresses me most about that approach is that it's not 
it's not aspirational in that you're just like, hey, I want to be good at customer service and I want, you know, these things to be happening. But you've got mechanisms in place, you know, that you talked about of, of everybody's got to call three people. Um, it does, you know, it's not about sales. It's about that relationship. And you've, you've built the uh, a process in order to facilitate your value and then make that best in class. That's awesome. Yes. Yes. And, and, and that even takes it up to a level of now. We're not just calling our single point of contacts. We're not just calling anybody. Everybody's calling different people within those companies as well. So my accountant may be talking to the accountant. She may be talking to the CEO or she may be talking to the office manager, right? We all reach down to the end client because we know when you talk to the CEO, if they haven't bubbled up today, they think everything is fine, right? right, Nothing, right. No problems. We're good. But the person who can't print three times out of the day, eh, that, that call may be a little rocky right? because they're frustrated, right? And so we really keep go down to that point and say, hey, you know, what's happening? And, they, and once you get past that, that point, they'll, they'll open up, man. I'm, I'm getting frustrated because, you know, every day my printer goes away. This keeps happening. Right, right. Oh, that's <laughs> great. That's great. What's yeah. – um, maybe, you know, and it could be related to, to as a result of, of some amazing service that happened, but what's one of your favorite success stories, either, you know – through the business, through an interaction with the client or anything? What's one of your favorite things that, that has happened? Yeah, so, so we've had some, some customers. We, we had one in particular that was, you know, working through some, some tough issues. They were just, they're growing quickly. They didn't know what we needed to get done and, and how it goes. So what I had the chance to do was go out there and spend some time talking about their business, not necessarily about technology at all, but just where they wanted to go as a business and, and what type of impact was it going to have on, on, on her and, and the growth and the locations and where it goes. So, so part of that was and I was able to go out there and sit down and, and say, let me learn your business and learn what you're doing and let me understand where you're going and let me understand how that fits and what that looks like. And what that allowed me to do was listening to where she wanted to grow as a business, how she's going to hire, what she's going to acquire, where she wants to go from X, Y, Z. That really allowed us to really put together a really solid technology roadmap to support that. And it was totally for that. She wanted to you know, grow, but she wasn't going to be in, you know, there, so she's going to have a lot of remote employees. So we were able to accommodate that. She knew within the next year or so she wanted to have a, a, a location and where it goes. So it allowed us to stay ahead of her growth, know where her growth was coming from, and adequately plan those projects to help her continue to do where she wasn't focused and having to think about that from a technology perspective. And now she went from a two-man shop, and she's probably 35 employees strong, and she hasn't missed a beat. Wow. And, and technology is not her her issue in, in how her network and how she gets supported because she, she knows that, hey, you guys know where I'm going as a business. So when I call you and tell you here's where we're at, we're right in lockstep to make sure that our infrastructure is in place. The building is wired and cabled and ready to go. Her security posture is in place. All those things are already there. And so we, we pride ourselves on, on, on spending that time with them, truly understanding. And, and most times it's, it's not even a technology conversation. It's just we, we want to know where you're growing, how you're growing. And, and that actually opens up the conversation of, okay, here's what we're going to need to do to be able to accommodate that. It's in their terms. It's not talking bits and bytes. It's not talking brands and manufacturers. It's not talking about this and that. It's talking about, I got you. That's where you want to go. 
here's what's going to get you there. That's great. It's it, it, what I really like about that is it's, you know, for years going to conferences, listening to speakers, attending webinars, you hear, you know, you got to change the conversation. Right. And, and, and yeah. you are like a living example of, of exactly what they're, what that kind of education is talking about when, Hey, yeah. it's not about, you know, pushing a box or a product because that's what your vendor has got us, you know, a, a promo on, right. It's, it's solving mm-hmm. those problems for those people and, and, and making that connection. That's, that's yeah. great stuff. Now, what the heck is out there that's big and hairy? What's the biggest challenge that's kind of facing, you know, whether it be you guys or, or the MSP industry as a whole in general, kind of what's, what's getting in the way? Yeah. So, so I think, you know, you probably hear this same right now, man, is, is security is, is the biggest deal. Um, I had a chance to go to RSA conference. It's one of the biggest security conferences in the world. I mean, they had, thousands, tens of thousands of new security vendors that were there. I mean, when I was there, I never got out of the first row in the first hall. And I had another three halls and probably another 150 rows to go through. It was just overwhelming. I could not imagine that. So, I mean, I live here in Texas, and and, and Texas has brought (laughs) a lot of shine to MSPs from MSPs being compromised, which is called clients to be compromised. So it's, it's tough. Um. So, so security is, is definitely uh, keeps me up at night. And, and I know from talking to other MSPs and, and, and just the business as a whole, we're kind of like the cobbler, right? The cobbler's kids have no shoes. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's kind of like the MSPs, you know, we, we sell it, but ours is, is not where it needs to be. And so what ended up happening is, is that, you know, we, we have to think twice as hard on what we need to do to protect ourselves because of what we have access to. And then also making sure that we're having the right conversations with our customers that, that, you know, here's what we're doing and here's what we need to do to ensure that they're covered as well. But security is, is definitely what keeps me up at night. You mentioned there's this massive show, right? So there's constantly new technology coming, you know, and of course, this is the tech industry. So what's more exciting than the, than the fanciest new phone or, or whatever it might be, right? Um, so as you're seeing, you know, kind of watching hype cycles and watching new products launch and, or maybe a a new approach to an old problem, you know, how do you kind of judge for yourself and for, for, for 5k technical services? Like what's hype versus, Hey, I can do something with this. How do you know? (laughs) I don't have enough hours in a day to jump on the hype, man. So I sit back and I do a lot of reading, but also don't like to reinvent the wheel. So I spend a lot of time with, with other MSPs. Um, I don't look at other MSPs as, as being competition. I don't look at them as being enemies. I think it's kind of a brotherhood that we kind of get into, man, to open up and share experiences to help us as an industry get better. So I spend a lot of time talking to my peers. If I see something that's really cool, I'll reach out on one of the forums and say, hey, have you heard about X, Y, and Z? And they go, yeah, no, maybe so. And we kind of go through that process. Um, we leverage different communities to be able to do that. Um, but I'm very selective when it comes to who I let and, and spend time with um, because it's just so much. It's just, sure. just so much out there. So what we do is I try to find out what's, what's happening and we get locked in. I'm always looking for best in class from a price value and overall you know, impact to our customer and our portfolio, but it, I don't change it a lot, right? And we, we really get to a point where it's very difficult for a new partner or a new product to get into our stack. And it really, it comes down to integration. It comes down to, are you integrated yeah. into our PSA, our RMM, our documentation tool? If the answer is no, then we don't play. 
has there been a change over time? Is there, do you feel that there's like more hype now than maybe in the past or is it just louder because of, you know, social media or maybe tuning into it? Is, is there more products and tech coming out at people trying to solve the same things that makes it even more complicated than, than say 10 years ago? Yeah. So the bad actors have gotten better. The tools have gotten better, but what, what hasn't gotten better is the end user and the customer belief. Um, because we work with small, medium businesses, the end users still believe that there is not going to happen to them because it hasn't happened to them. So what's surprising to me is, is how difficult still today the security conversation and the security sale is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's expensive, too. One. Like, it, it can it be is. very expensive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Related to that, you know, there's always unexpected things coming, you know, maybe whether, of course, you can't, you can't call a, a security attack unexpected anymore. But, um, you know, when, when something is new or different or is hitting you guys kind of that you didn't expect, and that could be, you know, natural disaster, obviously, is an easy one, but it could be something as simple as, you know, a, a vital person needed for a meeting or something, right? They, they didn't make it that day, or I don't know, you know, but how do you kind of jump when, when something is, is unexpected and, and you need to have some kind of prepared plan for that. You, you definitely got to have a, a prepared plan for that. We have a pretty robust lab that we play with that mimics just about whatever our customers have. Um, and everything we do has to go into that lab. And we probably spend a minimum of about two and a half to three months testing it. And that's one of the other things that's cool for my engineers is that they get a chance to work on that project. So we ask for the product. It comes in. We don't get any support. We don't do anything. We're just going to see how hard it was for us to get it to, to set up and how hard was it to get us to integrate. And after that, we'll work with the, the team to see if there's anything we need to do to fill in the gaps and how well do we do. has to be simple. has to be and easy. Ha- and having that lab, like, disconnected from everything else, obviously, but you know, allows you that, that sandbox yeah. to play in. That's really cool. Yeah. So do you run through, um, like, recovery scenarios and things like that in that nature as well? <laughs> All day, every day. We spend a, a lot of time going through recovery scenarios on the data and on the backups and, and how we do it. We do a lot of testing, um, do a lot of testing with those guys because, you know, some backups just go and say, yep, backup was completed. You got 4,999 files. You know, it doesn't tell us if it was good, corrupted, or, or not, right? We, we really go back and spend some time testing it. We, we've been burnt one time. It was backing up, and we didn't know it was bad until we had to go get it. That's just not a conversation we, we like to have. It's, it's unpleasant and it's uncomfortable for everybody. <laughs> so I think that besides security and, and everything else that, that keeps up, man, it's, it comes to employees and proper documentation. How do you keep or, or get good employees that can help and support us in, in, this, in this field? And that's, that's hard. We have a lot of good training out there. A lot of expensive training out there, and we got a lot of bad training out there. Um, and, and, and unfortunately, that that reaps kind of the candidate pool that we we get a hold of. Um, but for him, I'd be like, you know, how can we get and have access to the best candidates to continue to allow us to be successful? Because the pool is is very light. That's the biggest challenge, and that's why I'm very involved with, with CompTIA, making sure that the quality of candidates, what's coming out from the candidates, are relevant to us as well as our customers. That's, that's huge for me. Yeah. Um, I, I can talk about it, but if I'm sitting on the sideline and doing nothing about it, and all I'm doing is complaining. 
That's why I want to be involved and am involved to make sure that, that we're doing the right thing. That's great. And, you know, you had mentioned CompTIA and it is a drive for us. That talent pool speaks to the, you know, the, the cybersecurity challenge that we're facing, because if we got good people who can address that, you know, it's just, it's a little frightening. The fact that there is such a kind of a gap there right now between what, what the industry needs and what's available. No doubt. Do you have anything, any other last bits of wisdom? I know I threw a couple of curveballs at you today, but if you've got anything else you want to share, otherwise I, I'll close this up. You know, what I always try to tell all MSPs and, and everything, right, is make sure that you're spending time with other MSPs, larger, smaller, equal size, and, and whatever that's going on. And even in your current area, because there may be opportunities that you guys can collaborate on and, and don't work on because we grow by a couple of ways. We grow by acquiring other MSPs or us getting acquired. We grow by getting new customers. So you never know who's got their eye on you or you may have their eye on, you may have your eye on them. So spend time with other MSPs, build that relationship, go out to lunch, go have those conversations because they either have been through what you're going through just coming out of what you're getting ready to go into or have somebody that knows somebody that can help you get through that and you don't have to do it by yourself. That's great advice. That That is wonderful. And as a matter of fact, what a fortuitous uh, segue here. I'd like to let everybody know CompTIA has launched an official membership app. And that's an awesome place where you can go and maybe meet some other MSPs and things like that. But you find that in your app store and feel free to download that anytime. You know, we'd love to have you join the conversation, get involved with the community, get a chance to meet folks like Corey, and uh, we'd love to have you. So um, thank you for, for listening to, the, to this uh, edition of, of Breaking Barriers. And Corey, thank you. This was fun. Thank you very much, Miles. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers with the Managed Services Community. You can find more episodes and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.